Welcome to Until All Have Heard from the Far East Broadcasting Company. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Ed Cannon, president of FEBC, and we have these weekly conversations together. Occasionally a guest will join us, and I'm very glad to say that someone you know well is with us. I know well, and my wife uh, even knows better. Uh, we're with my longtime pastor. He was the pastor of the church that I attended for 25 years, and maybe more importantly, he was the voice of the radio program that my wife listened to when she first turned her heart over to Jesus Isn't Christ as fabulous? a believer. Yeah, so there's a special place in our hearts and always will be for Dr. Erwin Lutzer, our guest today. Pastor, welcome. It's great to be with you. I'm just so glad to be with you. And, you know, even though we are miles apart now, Ed, in my heart, you and Mary Jean still live. Mm. And it's wonderful also to connect with you, Wayne. We have a huge history, a long history at Moody. So yes. I really am with friends today. You are. You are. You, of course, have the radio program Running to Win, former pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, prolific author. You're, you're still writing books. I mean, you've got this new book out, No Reason to Hide, which we want to talk about today. Ed and I have not received a copy so we could review it, but we hope to do that soon. But you got to tell us about it today. Well, I wrote this book, I looked at the culture and said, what are the pressure points that the church needs to deal with? Now, here's the point. We didn't go looking for a culture war, we as Christians. The culture war has come to us. We have no alternative but to interact with it. And what we need to do is to think through how are we going to process this? So I deal with different issues, and I'll list some of them in a moment. But each chapter ends with a hero, someone who was an example of how he was able to stand against the culture, he or she. And uh, we need to be inspired to know that there are people out there who have suffered greatly because they took a stand in the midst of their culture. Mm. For example, I point out, by the way, in the first chapter, that evil never retreats on its own. It only retreats when it is confronted by a greater power. And that greater power, of course, is the gospel, which, of course, FBC is totally committed to. Amen. But at the same time, what we need to do is to understand how do we interact with what's happening. Mm. For example, it used to be in America that if you were a good chemist, you could teach at a university. And uh, as long as you were good at you, what you were doing and qualified, but now you are asked, are you willing to go along with the cultural narrative? Are you comfortable with multiple pronouns? Are you comfortable mm. with the LGBTQ mm. agenda, et cetera, mm. et cetera? Mm. So it's no longer merit. Now it's loud enthusiasm for the system. And then, of course, you get all of the issues regarding the cancel culture and mm -hmm. so forth. So one of the chapters is entitled Cultural Demonization. Then I also deal with the rise of the self. Mm. Self has replaced God, and I trace this back to Eden, Karl Marx, Freud, etc., how we live in a culture today where self is king, and it ends up with my truth and your truth and so forth. And then, very quickly, two chapters devoted to race. I show that critical race theory, though intended to help minorities, 
I give five or six reasons with explanation and illustration of how it works against us rather than for us. Mm. And then issues like, should we feel guilty because we're on stolen land? So I deal with all those things. And I am bringing this plane down very quickly here. Another chapter on how propaganda works, the submission of some churches to the radical left, and then um, a chapter on, uh, you know, what should parents say to a child who comes home from school and says, Mom and Dad, I think I'm transgender. How do we deal with that? School, uh, what's being taught in school, the great COVID reset, why we should learn to suffer with Christ. So that's a quick 30,000 feet overview, and it covers all of those subjects. What a book for our age, Ed. I know. I can only imagine digging into that and thinking about the number of people that we know that would love to read that book, and maybe even more importantly, the number of people that need to read that book. Pastor, I was thinking about uh, FEBC as you were going through that and how um, I looked out across our gathering just last week where we had all of our directors and staff, and um, we had Africans and Asians and uh, European people, uh, Indonesian, Filipino what a wonderfully diverse group. And to a person, they all looked at us and said, what are you doing in America? How in the world can you allow the culture of America to be so focused on so many foolish things that you've just mentioned as part of the book? So I should send a copy to every one of our directors, Wayne. Yeah. So here's the answer you know, to your questions. Ed, in, in response to you, okay, you raised the issue of race. Critical race theory is not intended to bring about the kind of reconciliation that you just described. Mm, mm. The purpose of critical race theory based on a Marxist model is you divide people on the basis of skin color, Mm, so you have the mm. oppressed and the oppressors, not with the intention of bringing about reconciliation at all, Mm. with the intention of dividing and creating chaos. Mm -hmm. So everything today has to do with race. Mm. To put it as simply as possible, Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, In Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, and then he says, barbarian, Scythian, but they're all one in Christ. Now, he doesn't say that Jews become Greeks and Greeks become Jews, or that uh, barbarians become Scythians. What he's saying is there are individual ethnicities, but there is a transcendent unity in Jesus Christ that you just described, Ed, Mm. a transcendent unity without losing the ethnicities. You have unity in the midst of diversity. Now, to put it in a single sentence, critical race theory keeps tearing apart what Jesus died to bring together. And what we must do is to see that the whole issue of race, critical race theory, is intended to divide. And so you're not attacking true racism, you're attacking skin color. Mm. And while I'm on the topic, the problem is racism is seen, therefore, as external. 
It is seen as only in one group and not the other groups, and what we need to do is to get back to the Bible and its emphasis on the sinfulness of the human heart and realize that the seeds of racism exist in us all. That doesn't mean that all, we are all racists any more than the seeds of greed and theft are in our hearts, too. Mm. That doesn't make us all thieves. Mm. But we have to recognize two things about sin. Number one, its depth, and number two, its universality. And so we meet together at the foot of the cross, receiving God's forgiveness, and then we ask, what can we do together to make things better, to advance the gospel, just like you folks are doing through your ministry. Wow, wow. Yeah, that was actually the theme of our conference. What can we do collectively that we can't do individually to advance the gospel? Hey, this book is so fascinating. I'm loving listening to these these descriptions of the main points of the book. I have to ask a very, very basic question. May I? The, yes, please. The title, No Reason to Hide. Help me with why you picked that title, what that means, and how that really ties in to all these cultural challenges that we're facing today. Well, here's the deal. It says, No Reason to Hide. The subtitle is Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. Mm-hmm. Here's what Christians are very tempted to do, is to hide. We are tempted to say to ourselves, We're going to self-censor ourselves. We're not going to stand up for what we believe. We're going to go along with the lies of the culture, and we're not going to stand against the culture. And so what I'm saying is there's really no reason to hide. Either our churches are going to be complicit, which means they'll give the culture whatever the culture wants, or they're going to be complacent, And complacent churches are those that are against the culture, but are never willing to really stand against it. Or we're going to be courageous, and we're going to see that persecution is an honor, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we need to rethink our view of persecution as Americans. And that's the the last chapter of my book devoted to that topic entirely. So what we need to do is to realize where we are at, and there is no real reason to hide and to hide our light under a bushel, as Jesus talked about. This is a time when we need to be willing to shine. It's a time when we need to stand, even in the midst of the pressures of the culture. But Dr. Lutzer, let me ask you, we feel so powerless at times how do we how do we move out and take action on these things when we we feel like we have no no platform to do so? Well, first of all, Wayne, I want you to understand. I did not write this book to reclaim the culture. I wrote the book to reclaim the church. Hmm. If you're asking about the broader culture, you know whether or not we can reverse that and so forth. That's that's beyond me because. As my chapter on propaganda shows, we are in the midst of cultural streams that are so powerful. You know, Hitler believed that if you had 100,000 people in a stadium all shouting the same thing, either people would be quiet or else they would put common sense on hold and be quiet or change their minds. So 
we have these cultural streams that are so powerful that are picked up in the media, social media hasn't helped, etc. So maybe we can't address the entire culture. But here's what I say specifically in answer to your question, Wayne. Everyone has to answer that question for themselves. It's going to be answered differently by the mother who is staying home and homeschooling her children. And by the way, I have a chapter on our schools, particularly here in Illinois, and the textbooks that are used, basically pornographic and everything you can imagine, just perversion. So she's going to answer differently than the businessman who's going to have to ask himself, am I willing to sign a letter apologizing for the fact that I'm born white? So you have those kinds of questions being asked. The person who is a politician is going to answer that question differently. And so everyone has to ask, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. And uh, I give examples of people who are willing to stand against the culture, people whose voices were heard. And here's the thing. When you have one person being willing to stand against the culture, you find a lot of people rallying around them. You know, we can say what we like about Loudoun County, but when those parents began to object what their children were being taught in school, the parents were vilified, but I think everybody was surprised at the number of parents who came out of the woodwork Mm -hmm. and said enough is enough, and they stood against it. So so it's... um, it's not a one-size-fits-all, yeah. but the question is, what are we doing individually to be true and taking the consequences? The stakes yeah. are too high to sit on the sidelines. And you know, Pastor, the point you're just making about when a number of parents rose up and it changed things, um, we have a, a friend, uh, he's a longtime broadcaster for FEBC in the China Ministries. He had spent 17 years in jail because he was preaching the gospel. And you ask him, you know, how do you, how do you deal with this? The large chunk of your life in prison. And he said, I quoted this verse to myself over and over and over. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So this guy was saying, point blank, the, I'm gaining life. I'm not losing a part of my life. I'm gaining life. So he's looking at it from an eternal perspective. And we pressed him on further. And how did you communicate with your jailers? And what did you say to the people that that put you in prison? And he said, you know, I would tell them over and over and over, you can put me in jail the rest of my life. You can kill me. But because of the commitment that I show to the world in Christ, a thousand will rise up after me, and you can't kill that many people. And I'm just so inspired by people that live life like that. And at the end of the day, he's asked me, Ed, have you ever been in jail for Christ? And it's like he's almost disappointed (laughs) because I haven't spent the time. But, you know, Pastor, these things inspire us. It's exactly what you're saying about people rising up and standing up against this really 
negative culture. I know everyone listening is going to want to read this book, No Reason to Hide by Dr. Erwin Luster. I know I want to read it now. And uh, I think this conversation has spurred many to want to do that. Ed, what do you think? Absolutely. Well, I'm certainly at the top of the list. And uh, when I tell my wife, Pastor Lutzer, that I spoke with you on the phone today, she's going to say, well, where is my copy yet? How come you haven't brought me (laughs) one yet? (laughs) all that you need to do is to send me your address, Ed, and a copy will be in the mail autographed. Oh, there you go. Uh, And I'm hoping, especially to my wife, Pastor Lutzer, you're such a dear uh, partner in the gospel of Christ And I love sharing these kinds of stories with people uh, throughout the FEBC organization. Uh, Perhaps there's a way that we could get you to meet our staff around the world, Dr. Lutzer. It would be a joy. It would be mutually beneficial, wouldn't it? All right. Erwin Lutzer, thank you, brother. Thank you so much, and God bless you. And may I pray for you? Please. Father, I pray for the blessing of the Lord on FEBC. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the ministry might expand overcome obstacles, show your grace, show your power, and show the unity and the power of the gospel in the midst of a world that is collapsing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will, of course, put the title to the book in our program notes so you can find that easily, but it's no reason to hide. You'll find those notes at febc.org. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Until All Have Heard. Final word, Ed? Pastor, it's a great privilege to partner with you to proclaim the gospel to the least reached of the world. It's my joy. Thank you. For Dr. Lutzer, Ed Cannon, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to Until All Have Heard. Until All Have Heard.